VeggCast 54, where are you? VeggCast. Hey, I'm here, you're here, let's go. VeggCast. A full menu from first to last. VeggCast. Yes, I warned you at the end of VeggCast 53 that we would be coming right back at you. And here we are about a week later. Uh, with VegCast 54, wanted to get this out of the way before uh, this weekend when I have a big kind of event coming up. On this episode of VegCast, we're going to be talking with Kathy Freston, the author of Quantum Wellness, and the person responsible for Oprah Winfrey going on a 21-day vegan cleanse. She'll be talking about that experience and about the larger lessons uh, in her book, her other books, and the, the kind of spiritual conscious connection that she tries to get people to make. Uh, we'll also be hearing from a new musical act for VegCast. This is Quinn. It's a man and a band from Australia that uh, Christina Louise Dicker turned us on to. You may remember hearing her previously on a couple of VegCasts. We also have a science fact coming up about how red meat, eating red meat, makes you more vulnerable, uh, makes you a bigger target for food poisoning. Uh, pretty interesting one there. So that's all coming up on VegCast 54. So I invite you to crank up the iPod, sit back, relax, and enjoy if possible as we unspool this episode of VegCast. I really should write down this intro instead of just trying to extemporize and fit it into the amount of time before the music ends, uh, but I still have never gotten around to that. I was uh, about to say unspool this edition, and I already have critiqued myself for that archaic term, and for a brief instant I considered saying uh, that we're going to unload this episode of VegCast on you. I thought that uh, that had a somewhat unsavory connotation. Hopefully by next time I'll come up with a, uh, a better way of saying that part. But uh, yes, on this episode we're talking with Kathy Freston, and uh, we're going to move directly into that interview now. Okay, right now on VegCast we are very pleased to have Kathy Freston, author and uh, conscious living counselor, and most recently the person responsible for Oprah going on a 21-day vegan cleanse. Kathy, welcome to VegCast. Hi, Vance. Nice to be here. Thank you. It's good to have you. I know that you have uh, many other aspects to your career, your personality, and everything than this Oprah thing, but this is that's kind of the hook, so i got to start with that, if you don't mind. Sure thing. Um, so what what was your connection with Oprah before this? Did you did you just send her, your publisher sent her the book and she read it, or did you know her, or what? How did that whole situation come about? Well, I had done her show the year before for my last book, which was called The One, Discovering the Secrets of Soulmate Love. So um, I had a relationship with her uh, from that, but uh, otherwise my publisher just sent Harpo, the production company, um, a copy of the book. And she read that and she said, you know, this is this makes so much sense, I've got to try this. Yes. She said we had done the radio series um, called The Soul Series. We had done two shows um, right before the TV show, and she said that um, 
she had thought about this before, but never in such a serious way um, as when she read this book that it really made a lot of sense to her. So I think, I think she had uh, long considered that this was something that made sense. But um, perhaps my book um, influenced her in a, in, in a little bit more of a way than she was already considering. I guess so. And so she uh, did this a 21-day cleanse, which I understand is uh, a specific program that you uh, that you advocate or you talk about in quantum wellness. Yes, it's a cleanse which uh, one would abstain from alcohol, sugar, caffeine, gluten, and all animal products for 21 days, and that's to give the body a break from the depressants and stimulants of those um, substances so that the body can sort of recalibrate, reset the metabolism, get the blood sugar straightened out, and also, most importantly, to let go of some old, bad, tired eating habits. So sometimes it takes, you know, 21 days to change your taste buds and your cravings. So I think that by giving up all of these things, at once simultaneously you are going to feel better whereas if you didn't give up sugar and you just went on the vegan cleanse you would you would obviously feel better but sugar still has an effect on your body in a deleterious way so if i am hoping that the reader gets a real big leap of you know energy of healing of feeling better it's beneficial for them to give up all these things at once so that they can really get the full effect of having a clean and clear body and starting fresh from a very healthy place. Uh-huh. Now, I didn't hear caffeine in there. Did, oh, caffeine is part of it. That is yeah. part of it because when I think of, sub, I mean, I think that is uh, the thing that I would have the hardest time giving up. I, I go to Vegetarian Summerfest every year and they don't serve coffee there and I I have a little like mini cleanse when I'm there, but uh, like that's the hard. That is one of the hardest things for people to give up because the caffeine withdrawal can be so severe that they think they are actually sick. And I had um, there was one woman who was a very popular blogger who felt so ill from the whole thing that she went to her doctor, and her doctor said, "Oh, get off of this cleanse." And when really what she was experiencing was caffeine withdrawal. So mm-hmm. you get the headaches, you get you feel very um, almost nauseous and exhausted. So it's it's a real serious um, physical reaction that you get, but but one that shows you how addictive caffeine can be. That said, I drink caffeine, I drink right. alcohol. You know, I have the occasional bit of sugar. Um, so I am certainly not someone who is clean and clear of all this stuff all the time. The thing that I obviously, you know, don't ever indulge in is any kind of animal protein. But um, the rest of the stuff I have a little bit of flexibility on. But for the 21 days, it's good to get it out of your system so you can sort of, you know, start at a new level, uh, which which is healthier. The occasional drink, the occasional, you know, or a lower level of caffeine or, you know, birthday cake, uh, you know, on a, on a good celebratory night, that's fine. But just to sort of start your levels at a, at a good um, lower place is better. Right. Well, so Oprah uh, went through these uh, these three weeks, and I'm, I'm just, I haven't followed it since then that closely, but has there been have you heard from her or seen any indication that, you, you know, after doing this, 
it, it may have a long-term impact on her because obviously if it has a long-term impact on her, it's going to impact a lot of people. Yeah, she's such a powerful communicator. It's just incredible the response that the, cl- the cleanse got. And interestingly enough, the most, um, the most male c- talked about the animal protein. So that was the mm-hmm. thing that, that really struck a chord more than sugar or caffeine or gluten or anything like that. This was something that seemed to be in the national psyche, which Oprah is so good at tapping into, you know, whether she's leading them there or she's tapping into what's already out there. But it's, it's pretty amazing. What she recently wrote in her O Magazine column, what I know for sure, is she said that, um, what we do to animals as they become our food is appalling and beneath our humanity. And so she said that she will forever be a conscious eater. I don't know exactly where her lines or boundaries are insofar as what she will eat and what she won't eat, but I know that she's on a continuum uh, of eating a more uh, clean and conscious diet. So I don't think she would ever approach food with the same lack of thoughtfulness that she claims she had before. She's someone who's committed to her spiritual growth. She is very interested in being as kind of a person and as an awake of a person as she can possibly be. So I think this is going to be a path that she will probably be committed to for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. Well, so let's just talk about the conscious and awake thing because that that is... uh, uh, a big theme in in your work from what I've been able to uh, gather and you do find a, a kind of a spiritual uh, meaning to consciousness or to being conscious about what you're doing how you're going about your life can you just expand on that so that people who may not be familiar with uh, your work can get a hold on that sure and that's actually what appealed to Oprah very much when we were talking about this on her show is that if we are to have spiritual integrity, how can we indulge in a food that has wrought so much cruelty and unkindness? So if my spiritual principles are kindness, compassion, mercy, alleviating of suffering where I can, it doesn't make sense to eat eat something that was once a live creature that, you know, every single uh, tale of a slaughterhouse or processing center tells of these animals being in extreme fear and discomfort and going through a horrible process as they meet their deaths. So, you know, as much as I grew up, I'm embarrassed to say, um, eating everything under the sun and not thinking twice about it, I began to realize what happens behind those closed doors, I thought, well, I'm being complicit in something that is cruel. And if I want to see peace in the world, if I want to see kindness in the world and compassion in the world, if I can't even get these little things right, which means, you know, eating three times a day, uh, eating in a way that's kind and compassionate, how can I possibly want to see that in some sort of a global way? Because, you know, eating is so foundational. It's the foundation of our lives. It's, it's, you know, we do it three times a day at least. So at least three times a day I'm making a decision on whether I'm going to be kind and thoughtful 
or whether I'm going to be complicit and ignorant insofar as, you know, how an animal has suffered. And I, I'm really, I, I don't mean to sound self-righteous at all, because truly I ate everything <laughs> and enjoyed it. But um, again, that's, it's like an, it's an inconvenient truth once you think about this stuff. It's very hard to just close your eyes and go back to sleep and enjoy your hamburger. Right. You know? And so it was a process for me. I was not able to just become vegan overnight. Um, I was worried about my protein. I was, you know, I guess too attached to my taste and cravings. So what I did was I gave up one animal at a time. And I started with giving up cows and then pigs, and um, I worked my way down to fish and dairy and eggs. I would actually recommend doing it the other way around and giving up the smaller creatures first because obviously you have um, more suffering animals that are spared because they're smaller animals, so more numerous. But anyway, I realize that it's a process, you know, and, and as people realize what goes on behind these slaughterhouse walls, I think people are basically kind in their hearts, very decent, very humane, and they're going to want to make changes, but to for, enforce some kind of strict discipline overnight, I think what happens is we just close down, we become paralyzed, and we just don't make a move because it's too overwhelming. So what I counsel in the book and in my practice is to just cut out one animal at a time and maybe make one meal a day meatless or go meatless on Mondays like they do at Johns Hopkins. Um, There's a way to do it gradually and incrementally that will make a huge difference because all those animals are spared and we keep taking in new information, keep educating ourselves, staying awake and aware. And then before we know it, we've sort of moved ourselves along this continuum of consciousness and the day comes when we just say, it certainly happened for me this way, I'm done. I, I, I don't need to do this anymore. I feel comfortable. I've found enough new foods that taste good, that meet my nutritional needs, that are um, delicious and easy to find, and, and now I'm done. I mean, I would love it if I went vegan overnight. I would have been very proud of myself. I would be overjoyed if, if people I talked to would just you know, have that light bulb go off and do it in a second. But the truth is, it's such an enormous part of our lives, such an enormous, you know, well-grounded tradition in our way of eating to eat animals that it, I think in a lot of cases it does take incremental change. And the more we allow ourselves that process, the more rapidly we can make the shift. You know, instead of beating ourselves up for not doing it overnight, we just put, keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep educating ourselves, not putting our heads back in the sand, and before you know it, we are living on a plant-based diet. And I think that's, that's something that is approachable, that people can do it. They, I, I just sort of counsel to lean into the shift, point ourselves in the direction of consciousness, of awareness, and then just lean into it. Little by little, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, let me just ask, in, in terms of the, the dietary shift, I mean, um, diets, per se, so to speak, are, are famous for things people adopt and say, I'm going to change my life right now, and then they try to do something all at once, and it, it doesn't work the way they expect, and they abandon it. And um, I'm wondering if, 
kind of packaging the the animal protein and the, this more spiritual aspect with uh, things like giving up um, sugar and alcohol and caffeine. Are, are you worried at all that 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 may muddy for some people the the concept of what what their actual goal is because it, it almost makes it sound like it's more about uh, being a diet than uh, being about uh, you know your consciousness of where your food comes yeah. from. I considered that, and then I realized that a whole lot of people would not read a book if they knew it was about becoming vegetarian or vegan. Um, it's just too narrow of an area that that a lot of people would just say, I'm not interested in it. So when it's positioned in such a way that it's a shift in not only health, but also spiritual awareness, environmental stewardship, then it's something that makes sense to them. So, and I know for myself, if I'm, you know, I, I want a whole program where I'm going to feel better. But again, if you're going to eat a vegan diet, but you're going to keep um, eating loads of sugar, you're, you're probably not going to feel better. Not that you have to give up sugar entirely, but it's something to consider that, you know, if I want to lose weight or if I want to have more energy, I should sort of look at my diet as a whole, being responsible to myself as a, as a, a whole integrated program, not just the, the animal protein. But I, I do think that more than just being... Um, spiritually conscious. People are interested in how they feel, what they look like, how much weight they have on. So if if they're going to do this program, they're, they're going to lose more weight, they're going to feel more energy if they sort of look at all of this stuff um, as it ties together. It's sort of, so it's a very integrated program. And again, I know it sounds severe, but I, I say in the book over and over again to lean into it, progress, not perfection. If you can't give up caffeine, that doesn't mean you should throw away the cleanse altogether. If you have some sugar, it's, you know, a celebration of someone's birthday, go for it, enjoy yourself, have the glass of champagne, but just get back on it the next day. So, and then while they're doing this, um, I'm giving them information. The, the new book is specifically about the cleanse that comes out in May. Um, they're learning every day about where their food comes from, what it does to their body, what it does to the environment. So hopefully there is a um, there is enough information that's going to keep them on this track even after the cleanse is over. And you say uh, you're going to have a, a book uh, next spring devoted specifically to the cleanse. Yes, it'll okay. be a 21-day program. Great. You know, I didn't know Oprah was going to pick that out of the book. <laughs> make it so popular. So I would say 95% of my uh, mail afterwards was, was about, well, what about, can I eat this? And can I, what if, you know, what if I'm feeling that way? And do I need this much, you know, do I need more protein? And how do I get enough iron? And there were so many questions um, regarding the cleanse that, that it made sense to do the next book uh, on a sort of a day-by-day guide on how to get through it. And again, Great. it's not just a physical thing. It's not just how this affects our health, but what's, co- what's going on emotionally as we confront our attachments and traditions and habits and things like that as well. And then what's going on for us spiritually as we make our choices day, day by day. Because we are, you know, we are multidimensional people. And, and, you know, when we learn that these foods, especially animal foods, affect us on so many different levels in such an intense way, I think 
we're people are smart enough to know that they can have a real quantum leap, a real um, big shift in their lives when they decide to lean towards a more plant-based diet. Great. Well, so uh, Quantum Wellness is the book that is out now. People should snap that up now to get the the overview of uh, the whole situation, including the cleanse, and then you're going to have a book next spring uh, that will take people through that step by step. Do you have any other uh, things coming up that we should know about? Are you, uh, I, you know, now that you've uh, had this impact with Oprah, are you are you going to try to turn Barack Obama vegan? And what's <laughs> what's next for Kathy? Just let me at him. <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, I would just love to see him talk about a plant based diet. You know, I think somehow life just brings us the opportunities that are perfect. So I remain open and willing and. Um, Whoever I cross paths with, I hope that I can have some effect, and I will certainly do my best to be a good representative of this kind of eating. Great. Well, Kathy Freston, thanks very much. I, I know that uh, you probably have uh, all kinds of celebrities banging down your door trying to get the information, so I'll let you go. And I, I appreciate you taking the time out to talk with us on VegCast. Thank you so very much, Vance. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you.
That is Quinn. That's the name of the band and the name of the man. And as I said, he's from Australia, from Melbourne. Of course, if you are interested in hearing more or purchasing uh, some Quinn products, uh, we will have the link for that in our show notes at VegCast.com. Just as any background, I asked uh, Quinn what he wanted me to say in back announcing this song. Uh, I asked if uh, he was the only vegetarian or the only vegan in the band, and he said, I am the only vegan in the band, but there are two vegetarians as well. So when it comes to mealtime on the road, I don't feel too isolated. There is still a culture of vegos being a bit weak and lame, but I am challenging that everywhere I go. I am 85 kilograms and 5'11 and feeling good. Now, uh, as I said, he's from Australia, so he talks in this these crazy terms that... Uh, some of us here in America don't understand. 85 kilograms, I, you know, I have no idea. But uh, you look at the pictures and you can see he is uh, very uh, solidly built and is a good advertisement for uh, veganism. And I guess if I were doing this right, I would be, uh, you know, rating it in an Australian accent and all that. But that might be a little disrespectful. Anyway... Uh, Quinn relates that the other night a girl told me after a gig she meant, well, no offense, but you look quite fit and healthy for a vegan. I laughed inwardly and thanked her for the compliment and suggested it was because of the veganism rather than despite it. And he ends saying, I'm really glad uh, I went vegan a year and a half ago. It's probably the single most powerful action one can take to show that they care and to stand up and be counted as a compassionate, caring, and sharing human being. And that, again, is Quinn. And uh, I think that's a really terrific song. And uh, he has a bunch of them. So uh, check those out. And in the meantime, it's time for us to turn to the science Our science fact for VegCast 54 is as follows. Study links eating red meat and illness. This is from the San Diego Union Tribune, and it begins as follows. People who regularly eat red meat are more vulnerable to food poisoning caused by certain strains of bacteria that otherwise wouldn't lead to illness, according to a study published yesterday by an international research team that includes two University of California San Diego scientists. The problem is caused by sugar molecules called N-glycolilnumeric acid or NOI5GC, which occur naturally in red meat animals such as cows, pigs, and lambs, but not in humans. Poultry and fish contain low levels of the molecules. Vegetables and fruit have none. When a person eats red meat or drinks milk, the NOI5GC molecules accumulate in the lining of the intestines and in blood vessels in the kidneys, attaching themselves to human cells, according to the study published online yesterday by the journal Nature. Illness occurs when the molecules attract toxins. That's right, attract toxins produced by certain strains of E. coli. The toxins can lead to bloody diarrhea and death. People pick up E. coli by eating contaminated meat or vegetables tainted by polluted water. And uh, in 99 cases out of 100, that polluted water is polluted with the feces of livestock animals. Uh, Continuing on with this story, 
comes a quote from Dr. Ajit Varki, a University of California, San Diego professor of cellular and molecular medicine who co-wrote the report. He says, by eating red meat, we are loading up our bodies with a non-human molecule that acts as a target the next time the toxin comes along. And it mentions that another research team headed by Varki published a study in 2003 that said the sugar molecules in question here appear to trigger inflammation that over time could cause diseases such as cancer, arthritis, and heart disease. It's not clear how long NOI5GC molecules remain in the body after a person stops eating red meat or if the sugars ever disappear. So that's kind of sobering for those of us who grew up eating red meat and uh, switched to vegetarianism. However, uh, the indication here is pretty stark and uh, pretty impressive uh, for the argument against eating red meat or, in fact, the argument that our bodies are not optimally designed to digest red meat on a daily basis uh, because it would be a very strange system to have red meat be a food that we were supposed to be eating and yet which also uniquely made our bodies targets for the food poisoning. That could occur the next time we eat red meat. But I wanted to be sure that... uh, We highlighted at this point when a person eats red meat or drinks milk. So it's not just the red meat, even though that's getting all of the headlines here. It's also milk that, uh, drinking milk, that will uh, increase your susceptibility to E. coli or at least to certain strains of E. coli. Now, if you think that you're just going to get the correct strain that is not a problem here, then please, by all means, go ahead and eat red meat and drink that milk. But otherwise, you may want to lay off that. You may want to uh, eat more fruits and vegetables that have absolutely no trace of this molecule. And you may want to keep your ear to the ground and keep it right here on the Science Fact. Before we wrap up VegCast 54, I just remembered in my back announce, in my rambling, witty, cutesy back announce of Quinn's song, I failed to actually say the name of the song, which I did at the top of the show, but I didn't uh, in the traditional spot. That's Good People, and uh, that's by Quinn. Again, I can't mention that name enough, but uh, now we are actually running out of time to mention that name and time for VegCast 54 itself. And that is it for VegCast 54. Thanks to Kathy Freston for talking with us about Oprah's 21-day cleanse and everything Kathy has got going on. It turns out she's also spotlighted in the current Veg News, so check that out as well. Thanks to Quinn for sending us good people to play, and uh, thanks to you for downloading VegCast. Remember, you can subscribe at VegCast.com if you're not a subscriber already. We'll be back at you at the VegCast 55 in a couple of weeks, maybe even get three podcasts in November. We'll see about that. But in the meantime, get out there and live like you need it. VegCast.